So starting in 821 in Isaiah, they will pass through the land hard-pressed and famished. And it will turn out that when they are hungry, they will be enraged and they will curse their king and their God as they face upward. Then they will look to the earth and behold, distress, darkness, and gloom. The gloom of anguish. They will be driven away into darkness. Nevertheless, There will be no more gloom for her who was in anguish. In earlier times, he treated the land of Zebulun, the land of Naphtali, with content. But later, later on, he shall make it glorious by the way of the sea on the other side of the Jordan, Galilee of the Gentiles. The people who walk in darkness will see a great light. Those who live in a dark land, the light will shine on them. You shall multiply the nation. You shall increase their gladness. They will be glad in your presence as with the gladness of harvest, as men rejoice when they divide the spoil. For you shall break the yoke of their burden and the staff of their oppressors on their shoulders, the rod of their oppressors as the battle of Midian. For every boot of the booted warrior in the battle tumult. And the cloak rolled in blood will be for burning, fuel for the fire. For a child will be born to us, a son will be given to us. And the government will rest on his shoulders, and his name will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Eternal Father, Prince of Peace. There will be no end to the increase of his government or of peace on the throne of David and over his kingdom to establish it and to uphold it with justice and righteousness from then on and forevermore. The zeal of the Lord of hosts will accomplish this. Have you ever heard of a polar night? Or maybe you experienced a polar night. Well, Polina Bublik has experienced many polar nights. As a matter of fact, she has lived four unforgettable years in a place, and it's not a joke, the name of this place, is called Longyearbyen, Longyearbyen, Norway, where the sun in Longyearbyen, Norway, does not rise for three months. So we complain when the sun goes down at 4.30. I remember first moving to Maine, and I thought, where am I? (laughs) Everything shut down. It got completely dark, and I thought I was in a a dream of some sort, a nightmare. It was cold. It was dark, and there were no stores open. What's interesting, along with these polar nights, actually people start feeling very melancholy and sad. As a matter of fact, that's what it's called, sad, seasonal affective disorder. Maybe some of you experience that. Along with this darkness comes distress, anxiety, fears, lethargy, 
maybe even some anguish. It's triggered by low levels of daylight, shorter days. Israel finds themselves in a polar night. Look at how verse 2021 starts out here. They pass through the land. They are hard-pressed and famished. They are hungry. They are cursing God. Then they look out on the earth, and all they see is distress, darkness, and gloom. Maybe that's how you feel today. Maybe you're experiencing a distressing, long polar night. Maybe you're experiencing a period of gloom. Israel is experiencing this because of their sin. They turned their back on God. They are experiencing the consequences of that action. I want you to look at those words. I want you to look at the word that starts verse 9, or chapter 9, verse 1. Nevertheless, nevertheless, that's a beautiful word in the Bible. Nevertheless, even though they are experiencing all of this darkness, all of this gloom, all of this anguish, nevertheless, God is going and has done something. Amen? Amen. Nevertheless, their gloom will be transformed into glory. That's what he says. There will be no more gloom for her who was in anguish. In earlier times, he treated the land of Zebulun and the land of Naphtali with content. But later on, he is going to make it glorious. Folks, that promise is not just for Israel. That promise is for each and every single one of us who have come here today. That is the hope of Jesus Christ. God transforms our gloom to glory through the gift of his son. Amen? He can do the same for you today. He's done the same for many people who are sitting in this room today. He begins to transform that, taking us out of our darkness, bringing us into his kingdom of light, and one day he will permanently do that. That's what Christmas is all about. God transforms us through the person of his son, Jesus Christ. It's a transformation that begins in our hearts, and it's a transformation that gets what, guess what, folks? It's going to extend across this entire world. No more darkness, no more gloom, just glory. How does he do that? I'm glad you asked. There are the four layers that we see in this passage today. I'm going to try to go through them as quick as possible. You can preach probably a four-hour sermon on, the, on this text here, but we're not going to do that because it's Christmas. I want to get back, and I want you to come back tonight. So. so the first layer that we see here, he gives us light for our darkness, verse 2, so the people who walk in darkness will see a great light. Those who live in a dark land, the light will shine upon them. Chuck Colson and several other Christian leaders once met 
with a man named President Borja of Ecuador to discuss prison fellowship. It's a ministry in Ecuadorian penitentiaries. They had no sooner been seated in these luxurious leather chairs when the president interrupted their conversation with a story of his own imprisonment years before being elected to the presidency. He had been involved in the struggle for democracy in Ecuador. The military cracked down on him and he was arrested. Without a trial, they threw him into a cold dungeon with no lights, no windows. For three days, three days he endured the solitary fear and darkness that can drive a person mad. Just when the situation seemed unbearable, the huge steel door opened. Someone crept into the darkness. Borja heard the person working on something in the opposite corner. Then the figure crept out and closed the door. Minutes later, the room suddenly blazed with light. Someone perhaps taking his life into his own hands had connected electricity to the broken light fixture. From that moment, explained President Borja, my imprisonment had meaning because at least I could see. The author continues and he says, even more important than the light that you and I see with our own eyes is the light that Jesus Christ brings into our hearts. Giving our lives understanding and meaning only He can give. People living in darkness need what? Light. The same goes for people who are living in spiritual darkness. There's, there's no other way that I can describe what happened to me, and I'm sure has happened to all of you who have accepted Jesus Christ as their Savior, than this passage right here. Living in darkness... Christ comes into our lives and he gives meaning, understanding, truth, and purpose. We know that this is attributed to the ministry of Jesus Christ because this, is, this passage is quoted in Matthew 4, directly attributing it to Jesus Christ and the light that he brings, the spiritual light that he brings into the land during that time. Sin darkens our hearts and our minds, and we cannot see around us. We cannot see the world for what it is. We cannot see ourselves for who we are. We need the light of Christ. One of the, the main things that we got to see in this passage here is, folks, God wants this for you and me, doesn't he? How do they get the light? Does the light come from themselves? No. The light comes from God. It's an outside light. And God wants us to walk in the light. God wants you to understand the truth. He wants you to understand meaning. He wants you to have wisdom and understanding. He wants you to see what this world is all about.
It's his light. It's a gift that he brings us. His light is warming. His light is reassuring. It is the light of the presence of Jesus Christ in our lives. Folks, we can search for meaning. We can search for purpose. We can search for understanding. We are never going to truly find it apart from Jesus Christ. It is a light that he shines into our hearts when we first receive him, and it is a light that remains with you and me for the rest of our lives. And there is no amount of darkness that you will go through in your life that can overcome this light. It's a hope that we have. C.S. Lewis says this, I believe in Christianity as I believe the sun has risen. Not only because I see it, but because by it, I see everything else. Second layer. So first, he brings us light. Second, he gives us joy and gladness. We have joy because he is victorious, verses 3 through 5. You shall multiply the nation. You shall increase their gladness. Taylor Swift, you didn't think you'd hear a Taylor Swift. I know people's eyes just rolled. You hear a Taylor Swift illustration on Christmas. What does Taylor Swift have to do with Christmas? Well, we're going to find out. Taylor Swift, do you know what, I'm sorry, you got to pause. Do you know what people who follow Taylor Swift are called? Swifties. See, I'm surprised you guys knew that. They're in the front row right here. It's like, Oh, everyone calling them out. Swifties. Maybe you're a Swifty. Don't know. Taylor Swift was quite the romantic when she first burst onto the scene in 2006. She sang about all the ecstasies of young love and the heartbreak of it. However, since then, her mood has hardened as her star has risen. Her new album, Midnight's, Midnight's, do you hear the title of that? Darkness. Plays upon a string of negative emotions. Anxiety, restlessness, exhaustion, and anger. It turns out that Swift is part of a larger trend. Researchers analyzed more than 150,000 pop songs released between 1965 and 2015. Over that time, the appearance of the word love in the top 100 hits were roughly halved. Meanwhile, the number of times such songs contained negative emotional words like hate rose sharply. Pop music isn't the only thing that has gotten a little harsh, a lot harsher. Other researchers analyzed 23 million headlines published between 2000 and 2019 in the United States. The headlines, too, grew significantly more negative. Just a greater proportion of headlines denoting anger, fear, disgust, and sadness. If misery levels keep rising, they ask, what can we expect for the future? 
According to the Global Peace Index, civic discontent, riots, strikes, and anti-government demonstrations increased by 244% from 2011 to 2019. The emotional health of our world is shattering. There's not much joy, is there? Why? This is why. Because that type of joy, that type of gladness, the joy that you and I have in our hearts that we, we are singing forth today is only found in the person of Jesus Christ and his freedom and victory that only he can bring us. I want you to see just the opposite is happening in this passage. Our sadness is not increasing in Christ. What is increasing? Our gladness is increasing. As opposed to the world, where the world is getting more bitter, more angry, more depressed, and more sad, Christians and those who trust in Jesus Christ are becoming increasingly glad. Gladness is, or glad is mentioned, or rejoicing three times in just these few short verses. God has done something mighty for his people, hasn't he? What, why are they rejoicing? And, and what a difference, what a difference from where they started from cursing God to then what? Rejoicing in his presence. Why are they rejoicing? It's because the Messiah, Jesus Christ, has set them free. He is victorious. This is the language of victory. You shall break the yoke of their burden and the staff on their shoulders. You've got to be careful with a passage like this because we can go two ways. You can make it all about the future, and it's definitely a future promise to those who belong to God and to Israel. Or you can make it all spiritual and go in the opposite direction and forget about the promise that it is to Israel. It's actually somewhere right in between. That has both ideas encompassed here. What, what Jesus does is he brings light into our lives. You and I are able to make sense of the world and make sense of ourselves and understand our need to be set free spiritually by him. What is the yoke that he breaks for us? It is the yoke of sin. It is sin that brought Israel into slavery to begin with. Christ breaks the burden and the yoke of sin from us. We are truly free. Therefore, you and I have reason to... Let's say it like we have reason to what? Rejoice, right? It doesn't matter what happens in our, in our lives. It doesn't matter what is happening around us. You and I have been set free by Jesus Christ and our relationship with God has been restored. That's why they're rejoicing. Isn't that something to get excited about? I'm, trying, I'm excited about it. I thought about this a lot this week. I complain a lot. Complain this past week from being sick, then my power going out, 
my, my basement flooding, not being prepared with a generator, having to drive to Lowe's and find a generator, not being able to start the generator in the rain, not being able to read the pamphlet to start the generator because it's dark, and if I took it out in the rain, it was getting soaked. And then my gutter blew off, taking along with it my siding on my roof. But that's besides the point. <laughs> but I'm, 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 re- I'm reading this, and I'm thinking, man alive, what am I complaining for? I have everything in the world to be grateful for because of one primary reason. I am forgiven in Jesus Christ. My relationship with my creator has been restored in Jesus Christ and there is nothing or nobody that can ever change that truth and reality. Isn't that why we're here today? Joy? And he gives us a joy and he gives us a gladness that no circumstance can change? It doesn't matter. Wait, I could die from COVID. That's okay. You know why? Because I'm going to be with him. Whatever happens, our house can fall apart. That's okay. In heaven. Rejoicing. He says, as in the days of Midian. Why does he say that? Well, if you remember the, the, the days of Midian referred to Gideon. If you know the story of Gideon, Gideon wasn't someone that anyone thought would be a hero. As a matter of fact, Gideon kind of doubted God. So what's happening here is this is a miraculous deliverance. It is a miraculous deliverance, and we see exactly how that happens in the very next verse. The whole, the whole the purpose or the, the, the way in which God does this is not that he, he sends an army to save us or, or deliver us. It's not that he, he sends this, this mighty warrior that is all, all having big armor and a, a shield and a sword. The way that he does this is he sends us his son. Third layer, he is a gift of God that is given to us. For a child will be born to us, a son will be given to us, and the government will rest on his shoulders. His name will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Eternal Father, Prince of Peace. In his book, Things Unseen, Living with Eternity in Your your Heart, Mark Buchanan points out how we all continually live for the next thing. Guilty. The next item on our checklist of luxuries, the next job, the next adventure, next relationship. As Buchanan notes, this becomes so obsessive that we lose our capacity to enjoy and be thankful for what we have right now. Go back to our previous verse. He says, This is never more apparent than at Christmas time. 
He said, I saw this close up. When my children first got to the age when the essence of Christmas becomes the day of getting. Maybe the kids should be brought back in for this illustration. There were mounds of gifts beneath our tree. Our son led the way in that favorite childhood and more subtly adult game. How many are for me? But the telling moment came Christmas morning when all the gifts were handed out. The children ripped through them, shredding and scattering the wrappings like, a, like jungle plants before a well-wielded machete. Each gift was beautiful. There was an intricately laced dress that Grandma Christie had sewn. There was an exquisitely detailed model car that Uncle Bob had got from the specialty shop, and so on and so on and so on. The children looked at each gift briefly, their interest quickly fading, and then they put it aside to move on to the next thing. When the ransacking was finished, my son, standing amid a tumultuous sea of boxes and bright crumpled paper and exotic trappings, looks up and asks sadly, is this all there is? That kid would have went straight upstairs to his room. Is this all there is? Is this all there is? We look at Christ that way. Maybe we just open Christ up on Christmas. Take a brief glance at him. Oh, that's really nice, Lord. Thank you. Put it aside. Put him aside. And say, that's all there is. What's next? The verse here speaks to the deity and humanity of Jesus Christ. It's a son given, but a child born. How does Jesus save us? How does he transform us? He enters right into our darkness and gloom, doesn't he? He enters into our anxiety. He enters into our pain. He enters into our sin. And he takes it on himself. To save us from it. He enters into this world not with an entourage, not in royalty. He was rich, but he left his riches for us. He was made like us in every way, yet without sin, so that this child can grow up to be a man who would die for you and me and to purchase our freedom. Not only that, it doesn't end there continues. He's the gift of a divine government. You want to talk about gloom to glory? <laughs> How about a government that is ruled by God Almighty? Isn't that what we kind of need right now? Do you think you agree with this? Isn't government responsible for a lot of our gloom sometimes, folks? I know it's funny, I read this and people were asked about what, what are they looking 
looking for in, in a presidential candidate. I'm sure you have your, your own ideas. Here, here are some of the things people look for. And let, let's see if Jesus Christ meets these qualifications. Uh, so the first one is the, the president should be a leader instead of a follower. Well, Jesus, I think, has that down, right? He's got a lot of followers because he is the greatest leader of all time. How about this one? He should be a patriotic citizen. Jesus has an a enormous amount of zeal for his kingdom. He should be a good negotiator. Well, I think he's got that one down pat. He needs to be honest. He needs to be patriotic and loyal, having a background in government, and also needs to be able to get along with people well. Well, there are some people that don't like Jesus, but all together, I think he's going to be able to get along with everybody. How about this one? He needs to be healthy. Well, he died, he was buried, and he rose again. I don't think he's going to be getting sick anytime soon. Our president should be concerned with world peace, ecology. He's got that down. New heaven and new earth. And U.S. trade. He's not going to care a lick about that. How about this? He needs to be able to reduce the crime rate. How about extinguishing it completely? And he also needs to make sure that generation after generation can experience living in this, in this country or in the country of liberty and justice for all. Well, we get into that in the next verse. The name describes his character, folks. The gift of Jesus Christ is the gift of God himself. He's a wonderful counselor. Notice that first name that is used here. And you could do an entire sermon on the names of Jesus Christ that are given to him here. Notice that first name, wonderful counselor. Wonderful counselor. You mean someone being described in that fashion? That means he, he is someone who doesn't need the advice of other people to guide and to help us through whatever situation that we find ourselves in. I'm not a very good counselor. I, I need to call up a bunch of people, many of my elders, and ask them for advice on things. Jesus Christ is not going to need to do that. He is a mighty God, meaning no one's going to be able to topple this government. No one is going to stand in his way. He is an eternal father, meaning that his, his fatherhood for us, his care and his provision and his, 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 all of his care for us is never, ever, ever going to cease. And he is the Prince of Peace. He establishes a peace in our hearts now. Gives us a peace even in the midst of turmoil. And establishes a peace in this world that will last for all eternity. God gives us the gift of himself. And, and we can say that's not all. Because there is so much more that he is, that you and I are given. And that's okay because we're going to have eternity to enjoy him. This brings us to our fourth and final layer. We live in a kingdom that will be forever glorious. It's taken us from gloom brings us into a kingdom of glory. There will be no end to the increase of his government 
or of peace on the throne of David and over his kingdom to establish it and uphold it with justice and righteousness from then on and forevermore. The zeal of the Lord of hosts will accomplish this. A guy was talking to an old gentleman. He was actually part of the German army in World War I. He told him how on one cold, moonlit Christmas Eve, there he was, huddled in the bottom of his trench. Because of the annual Christmas truce, the fighting had stopped. Suddenly, from the British trenches, a loud, sweet tenor voice began to sing, The Lord is my shepherd. The sound floated up into the clear, moonlit air. Then something surprising happened. From the German trenches, a rich baritone voice tuned in, singing the German version of that song. For a few moments, everybody in both trenches concentrated on the sound of these two invisible singers and the beautiful music and the harmony. The British soldier and the German soldier sang praise to the Lord who was their shepherd. The singing stopped and sound slowly died away. But the next morning, some British soldiers climbed out of their trenches and they grabbed a football, what we know as a soccer ball. They began kicking the ball around. And then not too soon after that, the German soldiers climbed out and England played Germany in a game of soccer in no man's land on Christmas Day in the middle of the battlefield in France during the First World War. Then he says this. The next morning, the carnage began again. Machine guns, bayonet fighting, Everything was back to normal. Everything was back to normal. What's normal right now? A lot of the same stuff, isn't it? Darkness, anguish, violence, War, death, normal. What's normal here? Just the opposite, isn't it? Remember when COVID happened? We had to get adjusted to a new normal, right? Everything changed. I don't think we're going to have any problems adjusting to this new normal. What is the new normal in the kingdom that Jesus Christ promises us, in the kingdom that you and I are going to reign with Christ in. The new normal is a kingdom of peace, is a kingdom of justice, is a kingdom of righteousness, is a kingdom of light, is a kingdom of love, is a kingdom that is going to last forever. It is a kingdom of glory. You look at these three words, 
peace, justice, righteousness. What does the world need right now? Peace, justice, and righteousness, doesn't it? How does this happen? It's not accomplished through technology, is it? The United Nations doesn't achieve this. World peace, justice, and righteousness does not occur through some climate accords. Our next president that's going to be elected in 2024, guess what? He's not going to achieve this. Mankind cannot make it happen. No amount of effort or amount of ingenuity, no amount of zeal that man has can ever bring this about. It is only through Jesus Christ, the zeal of the Lord of hosts will accomplish it. And folks, it is as good as done. That's what we celebrate today. We celebrate that Jesus Christ transforms us personally from a life of darkness, freeing us from sin, and then one day is going to transform this entire world from gloom to glory, and you and I are going to be a part of it. That's what Christmas is about. That's the hope we have. I think that's enough to get you through next year. Amen. And the years to come. A kingdom of light that you and I will be part of. One that is eternal. One that is filled with righteousness, justice, and peace. And one that is filled with his glory. Therefore, there will be no need of any son, S-U-N, because we have the son, S-O-N. No more sadness, no more pain, no more anguish, no more darkness, no more polar night, no more gloom. Merry Christmas. Father, we thank you for the gift of your son. And Lord, We look forward to the day when this kingdom will be forever established. Help us now, Lord, in our dark times. Help the light of Christ to shine in our hearts, reminding us of the hope that we have that one day we will be with you in eternity, never, ever again to experience times like this. We love you and we praise you for your glory. In Jesus' name, amen.